This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning, one and all, on this Saturday morning. Uh, I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to uh, have you with us. If I say us, I mean to include, of course, the main person for this show, and that would be Charlie Dobbin, who is at her home in Prince Edward County. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frankie. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah, that's um, good to hear. We've got li- I've just surprised myself. I looked out the window. We're in uh, downtown Toronto, Liberty Village, and there's a blue sky showing up out there. Oh. It's funny. We have opposite weather. I- I've got a completely overcast sky. Yeah, boy, and weird. last Saturday, I had the blue sky. So, you know, there it is. I had a little <laughs> note from you saying that uh, the longer, or at least the uh, days are getting brighter, getting longer. Well, Okay, so this is this is me trying to be upbeat, but also really <laughs> feeling feeling the difference. Um, just even if it's two minutes or three minutes a day, the days are well. Yesterday was great because it was very bright and very sunny and very clear. So it just my my heart was swelling. It was just feeling good, and I I'm very much looking forward to spring and longer days and getting outside for some extended periods of time. And you know, it's just it, it's happening. I can feel it. The, yeah. the birds are starting to talk about it. It's it's all you know. Spring is coming. It really is starting to feel quite uh, quite bright these days. Good stuff. Uh, well, let me get the phone numbers on the air here because the lines are open in Toronto. Call four one six three six zero zero seven forty. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie Dobbin, of course, will be happy to attempt to answer all <laughs> I've never seen or failed, really. Well, maybe once or twice. But uh, in a 14-year period, that's pretty darn good. Uh, as well, let Carlos, our operator, know if indeed you are a first-time caller, because this is what happened before you get to the air. You get your garden wings, all right? <laughs> call early, call often, one question per call. You can always call back, right? See, the callers are calling in already, Charlie. But well, you're doing good, Frank. You got all your, all your work is done. You can take a break now. <laughs> I can take off, go down for coffee. You're darn right. Well, look, uh, you know, I, I know you've been very, very busy, what with teaching in college. And mm-hmm. uh, how is and- it going with the, the Zoom stuff? Well, um, we don't actually use Zoom. We use a, a, a different proprietary software for our virtual lectures. Uh, but it has started. Last week was, was the first week of, of classes for me. Uh-huh. Uh, I am teaching something called an Introduction to Soil Science. And I have 40 students in my class. Half of them I taught last September or last fall yep. semester, but the other half are also first year students, but out of a different cohort. And, um, yeah, so it went well. I mean, uh, um, lecturing virtually, it's like the students ask me, they go like, are we getting the same education as what the students got pre COVID? And it, it was a good question, actually. And, and it was like, well, you know what? <clears throat> I think from a lecture perspective, you're probably in a sense getting a better uh, education because you're in the comfort of your own home, you're saving all kinds of money in travel, 
whatever distractions you have around you are, are just in your home as opposed to students around you and noise and chatter and all that sort of thing. So I said, you know, in many ways, I think that it, this virtual lecturing can be quite effective. I try to keep it as, you know, as sort of upbeat as I can. I pause for questions. You know, I'm, I'm always yep. kind of, I don't see their faces, but I'm, I'm, they do have a chat um, boxes beside the, the presentations. I'm always kind of watching their chat, which is often quite yeah. hilarious. And, um, well, I won't. I won't uh, take any time up at the moment. Maybe a little later in the show. I want to address what some folks are going. Like my my uh, youngest son, Toby, has got three kids: mm-hmm. uh, eleven, nine, and seven. <clears throat> and, oh, oh man, you talk about uh, challenging. Uh, Having a dog in the house is a wonderful thing because the only friendly face you see sometimes with all this stuff going on. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, no. That, it's there's tough. no question that for the elementary students and even yeah. the high school students, it's, it's tough, very yeah. tough, and the teachers. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, from a, the college perspective, and even yesterday I had in, in-person labs with my students, but, of course, the numbers have been shrunk down, so we're only doing seeing 10 students at a time. But, again... It's brilliant. I mean, the smaller the group, the more effective you can be as a teacher. I mean, you've got lots of opportunity for questions and, and feedback and asking them and they're asking me and, you know, really getting down and dirty into what are we observing and what does it mean? So, um, yeah, see, I, I'm, I can, I can this see point, you not, in that. Not I can see you in this position because you're so good on your feet. You just. <laughs> You know, you can do it. Anyway, we've got to do it. We've got callers waiting online, ready to talk to you, Charlie. So okay. let's take a break here, and I'm going to come back and say hi to Sophie, who's calling in from Hamilton, uh, right after these words on Zoomer Radio. It's the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, Charlie, as promised, from Hamilton, let's welcome Sophie to the show. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you both. I can hardly hear you. Oh, okay. We can hear you. Charlie. Yeah. I received a gift of Amanda Villa this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought it in uh, for the winter in a larger pot, new soil, trimmed the growth, mm-hmm. surprised at the sticky sap that I got. So leaves dropped, and right now at home, it's nice, it's green, it's very healthy. The tentacles or growth are reaching up to the sieve. Ceiling. <laughs> Do I need to trim them again? You also, will. a new growth from the root area. Would this become a healthy new branch? Yes. So is it is it like um? Do you have a trellis or something in the pot so the vine is climbing on something or or is yes. it trained? Yes. So you have, yes, allow anything new to come from below ground because that's just going to make it a bushier, more, um, you know, better looking plant ultimately. The very long tentacles, they are responding. They're, they're, if you can increase your light levels, those won't be quite as extreme, those long, uh, viney stems. But ultimately, yeah, you're going to want to sort of chop those all right down. I would suggest maybe early March kind of time frame. And after that, let it go, and then you'll be ready to, you know, prepare it to go outside once you're frost-free. Um, and it's going to be a bigger plant this year than it was last year, and you may need to get even a bigger trellis. Um, but, yeah, the bigger pot has contributed to all this flush of new growth. 
Okay. Okay, so I trim in March and mm-hmm. a bigger pot because it's going to get bigger and it's and the new root will be a healthy new root. Absolutely. Well, new stems anyway. But did you say you transplanted it this past fall? I trimmed, yes, I trimmed everything before I brought it in. Okay. And uh, I did lose uh, some leaves, mm-hmm. but it's healthy, it's green, and it's... it's um, so thank you. Okay, sounds good. like you're doing all oh, the right things, great, friend. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Sophie, that's good. Thank right, you so um, much. The interesting thing, I tried to see if uh, cuttings would root. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the cuttings that I did it has roots, so I'll be okay. able to plant it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you can you. give that as a gift. <laughs> good stuff, Sophie. Thank you. We have to push along here and say That's hi wonderful. to a friend from Oakville. Good morning, a friend. Nice to have you on the show. Hi, oh, friend. Hi. Yeah. Um, morning. Hi. Good morning. Hello. Yeah, yeah go good ahead. Good morning. We're here. Oh, yep. I bought a little uh, miniature um, anthurium. Uh, just a, a Canadian tire, and it's been doing really well. It, the, the the little whatever it is, it's still red flowers, mm-hmm. but the um, <coughs> the roots, I they, it needs repotting. Mm-hmm. The large roots are, are you know are there, but the little skinny ones are drying out, and some of the leaves mm-hmm. are getting brown. <coughs> so I want to know what kind of um, uh, soil I should repot it in, and how deep. Okay, so that's a good question. You're you're referring to it as a mini anthurium, but maybe what it is is just a very young plant in a small pot. Like, how big do you think the pot is? The pot, well, across, it's only three inches. Right. Yeah. So it's a little tiny pot. So oh. what you'll do is you'll get a nice clean pot that's one size bigger. So it'll be more like four inches or five inches across mm-hmm. at the yeah. biggest. Yeah. And and any good quality potting mix will work for your purposes. Mm-hmm. Typically, when we see anthuriums potted up by the growers, they have quite a, a lot of peat moss in the soil. It's very yeah. peat-based. Yeah. So, and, and most of our good quality soil mixes uh, or soilless mixes are just that. They're, they're heavy on the peat moss. Mm-hmm. So um, get, get a hold of, like I said, just make sure it's a, a good quality uh, soil mix, potting mix, and um, you'll moisten that. So you'll, you never pot, you never plant into dry soil, and right. usually this stuff is packaged dry in the bag. Right. So get it nice and moist to the point where it's like a, a wrung-out sponge kind of moist, mm-hmm. you know, not soaking wet, but, but you know, well-moistened. And you're going to plant the plant, take it out of its current pot, loosen mm-hmm. up any roots that seem to be spiraling around or yeah. trim off any roots that are black or brown and clearly not alive yeah. or shriveled up, right. and then take that little root ball into the new pot, planted at the exact same level that it was. So if it was about, you know, a quarter of an inch below the top lip of the pot, then that's mm-hmm. the same level you go into your new pot with, mm-hmm. with, with some fresh uh, media uh, beneath. Yeah, now there's some uh, thick roots that's mm-hmm. growing. Well, it's not even in, a, in the soil. It's just kind of hang in there. <laughs> I yeah. spray it every day, right, to make uh, sure that at least it gets moisture because I don't know. <laughs> How much it's getting? From well, the when other you're in roots. a with the tiny little pot you're in with very little soil, obviously yeah. in there because there's so many roots, yeah. you probably do have to water every day. But once you get into a bigger pot, you you'll water a little more water, but 
less often. So what I like to do with Anthurium is water them really thoroughly. Make sure you've got a saucer below the pot. Of course, the pot has drainage holes. And when you water with room temperature water Mm -hmm. and then let that water go through the pot into the saucer below. So, you you know, that much water. And then let it sit for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. If there's still water in the saucer, then pour it down into the sink. And now you've thoroughly watered the plant. And then don't water it again until the surface feels quite dry. Right. It should still still feel spongy. Like you still want that that give on that mm-hmm. root uh, mass, the, the soil around the roots. Right. But you do want it to be feeling dry to your fingertips. Okay. All right. All right. Thank All you, right. Fran. Good. Yeah. Thank you, Thank you for joining uh, us here on a... Day. Saturday morning. Thanks, uh, hey, you know, just a quick um, yeah. sidebar. I received a very beautiful anthurium uh, back before Christmas from my students, and it's not a mini at all. It's quite a large plant, and uh, it's been just a joy. It's, it's big, and it's colorful, and it's shiny, and it's it, and the leaves on it, you wouldn't believe they're big heart-shaped leaves. Really? And because it's such a massive plant, the, the leaves are very tropical-looking. I feel a bit like I'm in the Amazon when I look at that plant. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. That's just, and uh, bless their hearts, your students. I like a bunch yeah. of good, fun people. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, as we say goodbye to uh, Fran and Sophie, there it leaves a couple of lines open four one six three six zero zero seven forty here in the Toronto area and in anywhere in the province for that matter. You can call this number toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. You're fairly near the kitchen there, Charlie, in your new home, so you might want to just stroll over there and grab yourself another cup of coffee. And Good we, idea. Hey, all right, me too. We'll. <laughs> take a little break here then come back to say hi oh prithee my fair maiden we're off to trod the boards in stratford so stay tuned (laughs) stay tuned for that coming up next daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias for scythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks flocks hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral this is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, uh, as promised, let's stroll off to Stratford and say hi, uh, in this particular case, to Judy. Hey, good morning, Judy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I have a question about a begonia, mm-hmm. and I had called about a year ago, and I asked Charlie how I could start my begonias, and she told me to take a leaf and put the little slits in it, and the little plant would come up, and I did that, and I had four little plants come. Mm. So I gave three of them away, and I kept one for myself, and mine is doing very well, but the other ones have all died on the people, mm. and they would be doing really good. they get about two inches tall, and then they just die. So mm. what am I doing wrong? I mean, what are they doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's doing something wrong somewhere along the line. Like, well, I always feel the dirt before I water mine. I don't give it much mm-hmm. um, water. But, like, what's going... Because it looks so healthy, and my daughter quickly brought hers back, mm-hmm. and it started to do well, and then it just died. Oh, wow, interesting. So, so you've got something magical going on at your house. Where this, um, so you really look at what you're doing and then share with your, your, your gift people that you gave the plants to. I mean, what begonias want is, um, bright but not direct sunlight. So right. a bright spot, um, could be a windowsill if it's facing north or east, but if it's a south or west window, you don't want the plants right in the window. They need to be a few feet away. <clears throat> 
So that brightness is important. Um, regular room temperatures, they don't like cold. So you would make sure that it's not somebody who opens any windows at night. Like some, in my bedroom, for example, I always open my window at night. So mm-hmm. I don't keep any plants in my bedroom that would not like that, that chilly temperature. And begonias are some, are plants that want room temperature, um, you know, nothing too chilly. And then you're right, the moisture thing. So they want to be kept moist, but not wet. You can let them dry down very similar to an anthurium where the surface of the soil starts to feel on the dry side, but there's still a little bit of give in the potting mix. So it's still got a little bit of bounce. If you go drier than that, then you don't have that bounce when you feel the surface of the soil. It starts to just feel quite crusty. So not that dry when it comes to to begonias. They're going to want to keep keep them in a, a situation where they've got a moisture but not too much. And then there's humidity, right? This is the time of year where homes tend to be very dry. So it's possible that you're, the, um, people are putting them in situations where there's a draft from the mm-hmm. furnace. You know, the, the vent that is often in our floor, right near our windows, is blowing hot air. Begonias do not want that hot draft at all. They don't want hot wind. So make sure that there's no drafts, hot or cold, on a begonia to, to keep it happy. And, and otherwise, they're pretty easy care. It's just finding that, that right spot in the home. Well, I've started some other ones, and they do the, they're doing what they're doing to everybody else on me. They, they get about two inches tall, mm-hmm. and it's not that they're rotting off mm-hmm. all at once. They just, you go out there and you think, oh, this is doing nicely. You go out mm-hmm. one day and they're just, all down dead. So they just collapse. Like the leaves yeah, just yeah. drop the whole place. I mean, um, it is... Okay, so the only other thing to keep in mind, because when plants suddenly, for no apparent reason, die, particularly when they're young, it, we then we say, okay, was the pot we planted into, was it super clean? Had it been sterilized? Was it... Uh, you know, we, re- we often recycle our pot. Right, so right. make sure that... Anything that you're using to plant up, particularly small plants and seeds and seedlings, okay. is sterile as, as sterile as you can make it. So the okay. pots are super washed. The the media that you're planting into is uh, new, not reused. Um, you, there are ways to to bake okay. it, but uh, we won't get into that right now. Okay. Even your hands, make sure your hands are clean. Any tools, it, it could be that something that simple. It could be a, a bacteria or um, a fungal something or other that's just gotten in there and just takes advantage of the young plant. Okay, so right. there's certain times that they're better to try to start. Like you know, I was trying to start now for last month and I can't get them to even start. Is there sometimes that they start better, like a certain season? Yeah. Or- yes, when they're actively growing. Most plants okay. are propagated most readily when they're actively growing. So at this point of year, even though I'm feeling like the days are getting longer, I'm not sure if the plants are feeling it quite yet. Mm-hmm. So they're still in their kind of winter mode. They're kind of hunkered down, just waiting for spring. So okay. give it another month or so and then and then try again. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, oh, Jimmy. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you so Excellent. much, and uh, thank Steve. you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Uh, Charlie, I, I want to get to an email here because folks have been uh, kind enough to send you an email, and let me give out your email address. We <laughs> love having that, uh, kind of a backup, you know. So it's 
C dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N at mzmedia.com. And here's what Sharon Smale has uh, written in. Hi, Charlie, and Happy New Year. Uh, last Easter, I was given a pot with two beautiful Easter lilies, which bloomed beautifully. They died down, were left to sit in my living room, but of course, I no longer watered them. Sometime during November, I noticed what I thought was a green sprout coming up beside one of the stems, and I gave it a bit of water. Not long after, a lily started to grow between the side of the pot and the dried soil on each side. So now I have two lilies growing, one on each side between the pot and the soil. They're each approximately six inches high and look green and healthy. There's also a tiny shoot coming up in the middle. She sent you a picture. She says, now now what? I'd love to hear the solution to this. Why are they growing between the pot and the soil not where they were before? I'm puzzled. <laughs> yes, and she sent along a photograph, so thank you for that, uh, Sharon. Did you did you look at the picture, Frank? No, I, I'm sorry I didn't. You didn't have time. I sent yeah, it to you pretty late right. last night. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right, so what's going on there is Easter lilies are grown in greenhouses by growers for Easter, and typically they'll plant one bulb in a six-inch pot right in the center of the pot, and that's what you would expect when Sharon received that plant, there it was, a green plant, white flowers in the center. But once the flower finished and Sharon didn't water it, what happened? Well, of course, the, the, the bulb, from lack of water, probably basically shriveled up and died. But because there was still energy in that mother bulb, if you will, baby bulbs or daughter bulbs grew beneath the soil alongside the mother bulb and started to sprout, even without any water. But it's interesting that Sharon thought this whole thing was dead, but meanwhile had left it in her living room anyway. So so what happened, of course, is with that energy that's inherent in that bulb, those little green sprouts poked their little noses above the soil level, and they're not in the center. So if Sharon pulled the whole thing out of the pot and took away the soil, she would find the mother bulb probably pretty shriveled up but two little young bulbs on either side that are now growing and, of course, end up coming up on the edges, uh, right along the edges of the pot. So um, right to the, not in the center at all. So that's what's going on uh, in that pot. So now the next thing that's up to you is what are you going to do? I mean, you can just take the whole mess and throw it in the composter, but it doesn't sound like you, you want to do that. You're kind of in love with the fact that these little plants are growing. You've been giving them little bits of water. So do that. Keep them in, in a sunny spot. <clears throat> you will get green shoots, green lily plants growing this winter, spring. But you're unlikely to get flowers this year because those little baby bulbs will be not mature enough yet to form flowers. So it's going to just be a process of kind of like we do with our amaryllis bulbs. <clears throat> bulbs do a 12-month cycle. They grow for most of the year, but they go dormant for some of the year. And so that's basically what you're going to have to do, Sharon. Or um, let it grow up. Let it be a green plant in your house this spring. And then once we're frost-free, take the whole thing outside, plant it as it is, um, or break apart the two babies off of the mother, plant them soil level, uh, even with soil level outside, and let them be plants outside. Again, they'll be green this summer, likely, but what you will have eventually will be flowers coming up uh, late spring in your garden. There you go. Okay. Thank you so much. Hope that uh, satisfied you there. Uh, Sharon, uh, nice to have your note along. Um, 
Carol in Aden is uh, standing by right now. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, and happy 2021 to you, Charlie and Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'd like you to identify a plant of my childhood. Um, it had fuzzy leaves, like an African violet, and if I remember correctly, they'd be about the size of the palm of your hand without your fingers. Mm-hmm. The flowers were, sh- but the flowers were shaped like a tulip, and I remember them smelling peppery or something. Like when I would, when I'd smell them, I, I would sneeze. <clears throat> and they're similar to African violet colors, the purple and the whites. Okay, uh, and the tulip-shaped flowers. Uh, that's what's throwing me off. And they're uh, big, like the the tulip. Like if you take your hand and, and cup it, they were they were kind of that size. There were big flowers on it. I remember. And this was inside the house. Yes, yes, definitely and a house plant. And she always had it in the north window, um, a rather shaded north window. So there's a plant called Streptocarpus. What color were the flowers? Were they blue? Uh, I'm going to say they were like African violets, the purples and yeah, the whites. Yeah, purples and whites. I don't remember that there was any pinks to them, but. Hmm. Okay, streptocarpus, maybe, but maybe not. It's not the right leaf shape. <clears throat> but they do come in shades of purples and blues. They do tend to have fuzzy leaves. Um, I, all right, I you did got an me. internet search, and I couldn't find anything Carol, have even you looked remotely. Through, have you looked through books uh, of uh, various flowers to see if you could pick it out? Or? I haven't. Yeah, maybe the internet. I don't know. You'd be better, yeah. Charlie, to, to offer advice in this regard. Yeah, well, that's one of those things. Of yeah, what what's the um, hmm? And you haven't seen it since your childhood. Like this is just something you remember right. and yeah, I, admired. Mom, and yeah, mom had them, and I have not seen them since. Right, and mom never told you what they were. Uh, mom how maybe about didn't glo- even know. <laughs> here's here, <laughs> here's an idea. Gloxinia, G L O X. I N I A Gloxinia. Oh, that's, that's what it was. Oh, so go online yeah. to yeah. check look that. that one up. Gloxinia is a really nice plant, and you're right; we don't see much of it anymore. It was not that uncommon. And a funny story about a Gloxinia: long, long time ago, forty, fifty years ago, uh, when I left home and my brother left home, and my mom and dad were left, you know, as honeymooners because their kids had grown up and left home. Um, we, my brother and I were very far away from home. So I think it was Mother's Day or my mother's birthday. We sent her a Gloxinia from a local florist and she loved it and it was really pretty, but then it died down and my mom was really good at plant care and she couldn't figure out why she'd killed it, but she didn't have the heart to throw it away. So she just left the pot in the living room and left it alone and didn't do anything to it and, you know, felt bad and (laughs) wished it was still growing, but it wasn't. And then about two months later, three months later, it started to grow again. And there it was back in its beauty and glory with flowers and leaves, you know, six weeks later. So what she learned is, again, this is a, a plant which is based on having an underground, like a tuber. So it does grow very vigorously and look amazing, but then it does need a downtime. And you've got to let it do that dormant period and not water it when it's dormant, because that's what will kill it, is water when it's dormant. Just let let it hunker down for six or eight weeks, and it'll come right back, and then you start watering and fertilizing just as you have been. And they're still available to buy? 
Yes, indeed. At this time of year, you should be able to get Gloxinia from any bulb supplier. Um, they also, if you if you look around, if you go to garden centers, I mean, we're, we're coming to the time of year where they're going to have some of these great flowering plants available between Valentine's Day and Mother's Day and all those special days coming up now. Who knows, with the pandemic, right. how many of these places can be open. Right. So yeah. just search it on, on the web. Yeah. First, see if it's the right plant. Look up Gloxinia, see if it's the right plant. If it is, I'm sure you'll be able to find definitely the tuber, and you could grow yourself uh, if you can get them. And what was the supplier. other one you thought it might be? Streptocarpus. So S as in Sam. Yeah. T-R-E, P as in Paul, T O. And then Carpus, C-A-R-P-U-S. Okay. I'm look up both of those on Do the know, internet. Carol, you've piqued my interest, certainly <laughs> Charlie's too. If you find out what the heck that flower was, give us a call back, okay. uh, maybe even next week, okay? Okay. Uh, can I give you an update on my kiwi? I phoned you about three, oh, yeah. three years ago, probably. and told you I had a kiwi plant. It was doing mm-hmm. marvelous, but no kiwis. Mm-hmm. You told me to check and make sure I had male and female. Well, we went out and investigated closely, and yes, we figured, yeah, it looked like there was two different plants. We're, we're first, kind of bridging off in another question entirely here. No, no so, this is an update of what happened. Oh, okay. Okay, uh-huh. and so we, we looked, we said, yep, it bloomed beautifully that year. <laughs> no kiwis. Oh, and I went, really? Oh, no. So the next year, it bloomed beautifully, and it had kiwis that got to be the size of maybe small peas. Oh, wow. And we went, oh, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> Third year, though, we got kiwis. They were the size of large grapes. And we thought, oh, this is great. Getting better, yeah. Yeah, well, but that's as big as they get, we found out afterwards. <laughs> yes. yeah. And they aren't very edible. They're pretty hard. Oh, no, they were beautiful. Oh, oh they were? Oh, oh yeah, sweet and oh, juicy. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, so they can be growing. Excellent news. Yeah, Thanks good. for letting us know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Thank Carol. You Take care. <laughs> yeah, we must, <clears throat> pardon me, move along here because we have uh, waiting online from Hamilton, Sally. Sally, just hang tight. We'll be back to you in moments. Have to take a few moments out here for our sponsors to get their word in. Most important there. Charlie, uh, you hang tight, too. We're coming right back. The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, gee, you know what? Uh, I've got to show you my socks. Are you watching the uh, monitor today? <laughs> I am, but for some reason I just lost you. I'm oh, not, is that I, right? Wait, wait, wait. I can... Son of a gun. Uh, I'm just trying to... Me. Can you I can, I've got to listen, but I don't want to listen. I want to hear. I want to see you. I, see I was you. seeing you. I saw I saw what your shirt you're wearing. You're wearing a nice shirt. Yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'll hey. show you my socks. You always love to check oh, out my wild and crazy socks. I got a, It features drinking glasses. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, I've got you up here. Show me. Yeah. Can you see that? Oh, gosh, I can. Look at yeah. you. Ooh, martini guy. Martini glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, songs, hey. drinks right now. It's just Frankie and uh, the coffee cup. Oh, as, we, as we oh. go to Hamilton, well, there is I, Sally. Uh, sorry, go ahead, uh, Charlie. When I come back, I'll bring in some Baileys or something. Oh, good idea. Okay. <laughs> Sally, good morning. Morning, Charlie and Frank, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Morning. My question is about amaryllis. I have had these two amaryllis plants for 
maybe three or four years, and I put them away uh, in the dark place, and I took them out this year, and they seem very healthy. The bulbs are very firm, and there's a little green coming through, but they've been like this for weeks, and nothing is happening to them. So I'm thinking, should I chuck them, or, or mm-hmm. and I've watered them, and I've fed them, and they're not moving. Okay, so... Don't feed them, whatever you do. If they're nice and big and fat and firm, they've got tons of energy inside that bulb. Your challenge is to get them to break dormancy because right now they're still dormant. So you've got them in a sunny location, I assume? Yes, I do. Okay, and if they are moist right now, do not water them. Uh, what I would tend to do is just don't water them at all because you're right about amaryllis. It took me years to figure out how to get amaryllis working with me instead of against me. And what I'm doing now is I just put them in that dark spot. You mentioned that kind of they're dormant. I put them away in September into a dark spot, stop watering, ignore them. And then what I do is I don't bring them out of dormancy until they start to grow because they will start to grow in that dark spot. Little A little nose of a flower bud will start to poke up through the top of the uh, the bulb. Of course, it'll be pure white because it's sitting in the dark. But as soon as you start to see that little bit of growth, that's when I bring them out into the sunny window, water them, and get them going. So they break dormancy on their own in the dark. Since you've got them out of the dark, I I would just be patient. Just be careful you don't overwater them right now with with no growth. Uh, just keep them in that sunny spot and something's going to perk them. Uh, I mean, some people will say you need, they, they need a little bit of a shock, like a little bit of a cool spot or I'd hate to put them back in the dark, but I mean, putting them back in the dark is an option, uh, but do keep an eye on them because they will start to grow. Something will spark them to wake up. Wonderful. Okay. Great. Thank you very much, Charlie. You're and have a wonderful a day and a blessed new year. Thank you very Thank much, you. Sally. Appreciate, Appreciate that. that. Uh, a note here from Sarah Ostrowski in uh, Kitchener, Ontario. says, Charlie, uh, my brother has this tree in the backyard of his home. Obviously, she sent you a photograph of this. It has beautiful uh, pink flowers in the spring. There are plans to complete some backyard <laughs> renovations next spring, and the tree will have to be moved. We are wondering first what type of tree it is is and what's the safest way to be able to move it as the home was recently purchased we we're unsure how long it's been in its current location so can you help sarah out there at all charlie yeah so sarah is uh, writing us from kitchener mm-hmm. and the photograph she sent is of a rhododendron <sighs> so r-h-o-d-e-n D-R-O-N, rhododendron. It is a shrub or bush. It, it will never be a tree. Uh, based on the size of it, I think it's probably been there for a number of years, Sarah. Rhododendrons do not grow particularly quickly here in Ontario. They love British Columbia, but they don't love our soil or our climate. It's probably looking as good as it is because it's really tucked uh, right at the back of the house. So that must be a fairly sheltered location. There's a fence there and there's a house there. So it's got walls on two sides. Rhododendrons like a bright spot, but they don't want hot afternoon sun. They definitely don't want the cold, cold winter wind, that northwest wind. So I, I get a sense that maybe it's it's tucked into a, a corner, maybe it's even a northeast corner, but it's it's doing quite well. It's of a good size. It looks like it's about four feet tall. So what are you going to do? Well, depending on when that renovation is going to start, It would be nice if you could leave that plant in place to enjoy the flowers. If you look at it, there's flower buds on it now. 
And the flowers will open early in the spring, depending on when spring is. It could be April, it could be May, but it'd be nice to leave it there to enjoy the flowers. If you move the plant before the flowers open or while the flowers are opening, you will likely lose some of the flowers, not the end of the world, because you really want to make sure you save the plant. But um, but yeah, like I said, if you can just postpone the move until after the flowers are done, then what you're going to do or your brother's going to do is have a spot planned for where this plant is going, even if it's a temporary spot, like into a big pot while the renovation takes place and then get this plant back into that sheltered location before winter. Or maybe there's another sheltered spot, sheltered from the northwest wind, sheltered from the hot west or south sun. That's what you need. Uh, prepare the hole, get some peat moss, lots of peat moss into the, the existing soil, uh, lift the plant with as big a root ball as you can possibly lift, keeping soil around the roots. Uh, so wet, moisten, water the plant in advance, dig it up, and you've got that hole prepped to go. So it's out of the one spot and into the new spot. Of course, making sure it's uh, going into the ground just slightly higher than it was from the last location because it will sink. And um, get some something called soil acidifier. Soil acidifier will help lower the pH of your native soil, as will peat moss. And if you can get yourself even a pH tester, that will help as well, because rhododendrons want an acidic soil, and our native soil tends to be the exact opposite, because it's limestone-based. But the the plant looks pretty good. I mean, it's a little bit sparse. It'd be nice to see more leaves on it, but it it is definitely doing quite well by Ontario standards. So, um, yeah, and and like I said, even if it goes into a pot for the summer and then back into the ground before winter uh, in that same or close to sheltered location, same thing, lots of peat moss and um, water, obviously, when you do any of this stuff. And then next spring, you would worry about soil acidifier. Oh, I'm sure that Sarah was delighted that you got to answer that question that she sent in. Uh, We're going to be back to say hi to Julie, uh, who's uh, on the line there from North York, Ontario. So stay tuned. It's The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. This is Zoomer Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM, owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, delighted to be with you this Saturday morning. Frank Proctor here in Toronto and from her home in Prince Edward County, of course, Charlie Dobbin is there. About to say hi and good morning to Julie in North York. Hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. Morning. Hi, Charlie. Uh, I started some plants from a plant, like little uh, little pieces I took off, and they're growing really good in the good soil. But I have hundreds and hundreds of tiny little flies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. So we've had this question before. I bet you even Frank could answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't, I won't attempt it right now. <laughs> okay. So the little flies that are flying around look like fruit flies, but they are not. They're called fungus gnats. So G-N-A-T-S, the little tiny gnats, and they are eating fungus that's in the soil of your plants. So you've got to cut back on your watering, water less often, do not keep things wet all the time, only water when the plants are quite dry. Of course, do water but and water thoroughly, but just let things dry down more between waterings and get a hold of something called sticky sticks. So sticky, like the word sticky, and then S-T-I-X. You can purchase those online. 
because I don't think you can pick them up at a garden center or uh, like a Canadian tire at this point, but online sticky sticks made by Safers. So the Safers uh, people uh, make, it's like flypaper. So bright yellow, very attractive to insects, sticky little uh, bits of paper that we poke onto sticks into our pots and you'll catch lots and lots of gnats. And if you slow down on your watering and start catching all those flying gnats, you will be able to eliminate all of them within the next two to three weeks. Excellent. Okay. All right. Uh, let me let me deal with a, a last email we can do this morning from good. Maureen, uh-huh, who says, Hiya, Charlie. First, Happy New Year blessing. Second, seeds. 39 seconds after your show ended on Saturday, my friend Cheryl was on the phone. It was the mentioning of seeds. Where did you get our seeds last spring? Mackenzie and O. S.C. You mentioned a great source last spring. Could you please repeat the name of that supplier? And she sends along a picture of the amaryllis she has. That, and it's beautiful. Yeah, she said it really is, is looking great. I know, and I, I thank you for the picture, Maureen. It's a gorgeous amaryllis, and I, too, have had an excellent season with my different amaryllis bulbs. But, you know, I'm wondering, Maureen, was it perhaps Stokes seeds that oh. I mentioned last year? I think Stokes- it might be. Stokes is one of the supporters and, uh, of our show, and um, I just, if you've been listening to any of the commercials that are running in the program right now, they're suggesting that everybody sends away for the catalog, and sure enough, I just did that. I just sent away for the catalog online, but they do have a great uh, website, so there's lots there uh, on the website, and you can just order online. There is no, the, the retail location is closed at Stokes, which is down in St. Catharines or Thorold. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if it was probably Stokes I mentioned last year, Maureen, and they have a very, it's a very huge, uh, inventory. Their supply of, um, different varieties of tomatoes and basil mm-hmm. and all the things you might love, flowers, et cetera, are there. So that would be my suggestion for an excellent seed supplier. Good stuff. Okay. We can squeeze one more call in here. Barb and Aiden on the line. Good morning, Barb. Well, hi, good morning, Charlie and Frank. I think my question is about the same as from the last um, caller. I'm having trouble, too, with, like, fruit-like flies. Mm-hmm. And you said mm-hmm. they were a fungus knot uh, on a peace yeah. lily plant. Yeah. Like, I repotted, I repotted it, put new soil in last week, and today I noticed that these flies were back again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I, I couldn't get any of these, uh, yellow sticky things. I, I tried a, a fly sticker, but that didn't Mm-mm. seem to, no. to catch them. No, no, you need the sticky sticks. Um, not that they have any kind of a special pheromone on the sticky sticks. It's the yellow. Flying, many flying insects are very attracted to the color yellow. And that's why these things work. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. You, you have a hard time, uh, getting the sticky sticks other than online. So just look, uh, look like I, I could go through safers. You might even be able to get it on Amazon. Some sticky sticks, get them sent to you and get them in the ground. But you'll know you have fungus gnats. If you, with the palm of your hand, give a, a tap to the side of the pot that you're, the, of your peace lily, and if a bunch of little, what looks like fruit flies fly out, you know that's fungus gnats. So lower, stop watering so much, let the plant dry down a little bit more between the times when you water, and if you can get a hold of the sticky sticks, that will certainly speed up uh, the annihilation of those insects. Thank you, Barb, uh, for sending or calling in on that question. And mm. uh, we've run out of racetrack. My God! Hey, but wait, 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 I see we've still got a minute here. So, well, um, yeah, I just wanted to say we're talking about seeds, and I think people are starting to get excited. Ooh, it's getting to that point. We're going to start <laughs> yeah. seeds. My cat loves to start chewing house plants in January. 
I'm not sure why, but my cat loves eating grass outside, and there's no grass inside, but I, I planted cat grass for my cat, and my cat is thrilled to bits. Uh, his name is Carter, and he saw me planting those seeds, and he kept watching me and watching the seeds, watching me until they grew fairly quickly, and he's just been lolling about. So you chowing. got a little tray there, Charlie? Exactly. And, and once, with... they, once they actually germinate, start to grow. It's like a little yeah. lawn. in. It's actually um, a loaf pan, so it's just a, or, or that kind of a rectangular. Yeah. It's got to be bottom-heavy because otherwise the cat will tip the whole thing over, but preferably something with drainage. And the, uh, yeah, no, the cat just, he loves, he just chows down on the leaves of, it's really oats, oats and wheat, uh, seeds that I grew for him. And he's one happy cat. So well, think about that. If you need to get gardening and you have a cat, consider planting some cat grass. Give a little pat to, uh, Carter for me, would you? Uh, and hey, I will. Dave's Corner Garage guys, they're in the house today. Oh, so, my. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> We're set to rock and roll, those guys. Meantime, right. have yourself a wonderful week, Charlie. Thank you. You too. Thanks for all your help, Frankie. And give a big shout out to say hello to Alan and Dave from me. And thanks, Carlos. Couldn't do this without your help. And the great callers. Keep those emails coming. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.